0: Hello again. Welcome back. This time to a victorious Country Roads Confidential here at earsports.com. I am Mike Assaza welcoming in Chris Anderson. Chris, different outcome tonight. West Virginia wins. This played out an awful lot like the first time these two teams played. And truth be, it does not reset or erase the previous three games. It's a win. They need made many changes tonight that we'll discuss. Um, the biggest one is that there's a different result, but a lot of the same issues in patches tonight. Is that a fair takeaway?
1: Yeah, I, I was thinking you were going to be the positive guy, and I was going to come rain on your parade. But uh, I, I guess we got to get our roles straight before we record next time. Because mm-hmm. yeah, this was this was what it was like. This was just a normal WVU game. They just were playing a bottom of the big 12 team instead of a top of the big 12 team. Uh, the defense for, I would say 75% of the game was, was great. It was good. I, I, I liked a lot of what I saw. I, uh, there was a lot of effort. There was a lot more communication, uh, not too many basic breakdowns that had plagued the team the last couple of games. And on offense, I think I, I, I said it, and I'm sticking with it after the Kansas game, the defense and the rebounding is so good with this team that the offense just needs to not be historically bad in order to win. Um and they were pretty darn bad in the first half and in the second half they were just kind of bad and that was enough to result in a you know 30 point swing basically. Yeah, final
0: score tonight and um, again maybe deceiving 65 to 47 the first time they played 55 to 41 so uh Oklahoma State's a, again bottom of the conference team they've gotten some wins lately one in the SEC Big 12 Classic Challenge Invitational a couple in Big 12 played they got Texas Tech on Saturday at home and looked pretty good for about 15 minutes in the first half second half does nothing went right how much of that is coming back down to earth and the reality of this really isn't a great team and how much of it was induced by West Virginia and again, really good defense. And I think we can agree concentrated minutes into the most valuable players.
1: Yeah. At one point, I think Oklahoma state was nine of 12. And I remarked at the time that they were nine of 12. And out of those 12 shots, I would say like 10 of them were very hotly contested by West Virginia. I thought they were playing pretty darn good defense during that first part. and, I said, the the only thing I'm watching here that offense is not going to keep up. Oklahoma State's not going to shoot like that all game. But will West Virginia get discouraged because Oklahoma State's shooting like that and kind of let up on defense? And it seemed like they were like this the second like the second eight minutes or so of the of the first half. Uh, all of a sudden, they were giving up easy baskets. They were there was one play in particular where um, West Virginia made a basket set up in a kind of semi press and the ball bounced around for a few seconds the ref finally grabbed it handed it to the inbounder he took a couple seconds to get it in and so a made basket six seven seconds to get it in and Oklahoma State still got a fast break layup out of that somehow and and drew a foul and Huggins was furious at the refs when I feel like he should have been more furious at his own team and Honestly, at that point, after that play, and there were a couple similar like it right in that same stretch, I thought to myself, oh, man, this is this is it. This is the end. This is where it really goes off the rails. Like, if we thought it was off the rails the last couple games, this is where it goes real bad. Because uh, I think in that same stretch was, and, and we can come circle back around on this in a minute, but uh, that was around the same time that Culver was – pouty face and was getting about to get benched again and and was struggling on both. It wasn't trying on defense and was uh, getting upset on offense. And I thought, this is it. This is where it all blows up. And it didn't, which is great. And they came back and tried harder than ever played better defense than they had in the first half. Culver tried as hard as I think I've seen him try uh, in weeks. Um, So it was a really positive second half.
0: It's a 10-point lead as late as 7.22 left in the first half. It's five points at halftime, and it really should be eight. But one of the ugliest, best plays you'll see is in the final four seconds of the first half. Oklahoma State makes a free throw to go up eight. West Virginia inbounds the ball three times. The first one is broken up. The second one is a pass backwards, which is a terrible idea when you're at half court. And then the pass forward is broken up. It goes out of bounds again. The third inbound play is knocked out of bounds, which is probably a technical foul that did not get called. The fourth one with 0.7 seconds left goes to Jermaine Haley, noted non-shooter. But as I'm told by him and by his teammates, he is the guy that you want to get the ball to at the shot clock or when you have to lean off one foot with less than a second to go to make a three to go into the locker room with all the momentum. And wow, it worked. And at that point forward, it's all West Virginia. I don't want to get into the circle it thing. And then this is going to be a team that wins 15 straight games because of this one moment. But that had to change the temperature in the locker room that had to make everybody feel better about themselves. They finally got a break. A team that doesn't see a shot go in ever sees that shot go in. And then they score the first 10 points of the second half. Certainly that's related, right?
1: Yeah, how very fitting. Just like you said, what was it three three tip passes, terrible decisions, a ridiculously, uh, you know, question, you know, what, third, fourth option out of the five guys on the court to shoot that shot and rolls rolls around the rim, hits the backboard, comes back, and goes down. And that is what sparks the team. Um, yeah, and I have some thoughts on what else might have sparked the team. I, and I love this decision by Huggs, this, this halftime adjustment of going double big to start yes. the second half. Um, he hadn't done it not one second of the entire first half were Culver and Oscar on the court at the same time. Not one second. And then that first, I think it was two minutes and 41 seconds, they were on the court at the same time. Seven-zero run for West Virginia. Culver's got a block shot. He's got an offensive rebound that he dishes out for a basket. Um, and then, and then Huggins goes back to them flip-flopping who's on the court. I think they, they played, they had another stretch that was about a minute and 15, 20 seconds or so where they're both on the court, but for the entire game, Oscar and Derek were on the court at the same time for a total of, I think it was four minutes and 12 seconds or four minutes and 16 seconds, something like that, which is a, I think the biggest difference. Um as far as lineups go in this game as compared to previous games.
0: More importantly, one of them was on the floor all forty minutes. Right. Which which, which
1: should do. have been which should have been the case all year long if we're gonna be honest about it. But why do you think you went now.
0: double big to start the second half? Do you think it was because they're not going to be able to score over us inside this way? Is it because, you know what, this is our big bad lineup. Let's get back to it. Let's stop messing around with things like we did in the first half. Is there an explanation or is it just that he defaulted?
1: Well, on his on his postgame radio, he said it was because he felt that McGriff and a couple other guys were just kind of big boying like West Virginia's wings. Uh, yes. And I think that's right because I think I think it was McGriff that Culver was guarding right there at the start of that second half and really blocked a shot and was an, you know, just – a pest and really caused a lot of trouble his length and, uh, really shut him down. Cause McGriff had been killing West Virginia in the first half.
0: He had no respect for Matthews. He was lining up, calling for the ball, getting it in his spots, hitting fadeaways driving. And he just felt like he could do anything. And it wasn't always on Matthews, but like he got it going against him. And I mean, a couple of shots were tough. But I think he was six for six at one point. He ends up two of 14, which is a big difference in the game. Obviously I think he had what, 13 points in the first half ended up with 19. Um, they had just 11 points in the second half. Not a great team and didn't look that way. But, again, West Virginia had a lot to do with that. Let's talk about the changes as promised. Bob Huggins shakes things up. I still think a lot of people are wondering if he would or um, you know, how much he would do, how long he would go. Significant change. Starting McBride for the first time, bringing Culver off the bench for the third time, um, second time just for a strategic purpose. And uh, starting Taz Sherman for the second time, that means no McCabe in the lineup. McCabe hardly plays. Um, I'm not sure it worked or not. It looked like it was kind of refreshing and they got guys interested. They certainly tried to do some things in the first half. They moved pretty well. They kind of cut. Didn't score. Uh, 12 points in 12 minutes at one point in the first half. But um, let me ask you this. You change, you win. You win. Huggins is kind of a habitual person. I imagine we'll see this lineup again because it worked, and then he can make the changes midstream like he did tonight. Um, But what does this mean moving forward for McCabe, who did not get off the bench in the second half? Harler did not get off the bench in the second half. Matthews uh, played about two minutes in the second half. Really and truly just an eight-man rotation tonight with the starting five, and then basically, mostly Culver, Osuboyan, and McNeil in the second half.
1: I think I would be stunned if he went too big starting lineup ever again. Um, I know they kind of did that out of the second half, but I think that's how you need to approach that angle. Uh, It is more of the the exception rather than what they're doing all the time. And – at first, I'll be honest. I thought at first they, he was he had listened to uh, our podcast from earlier in the year and, and yes. stole your idea of let's throw all these guards out there and see who's going to make shots and then ride them for the rest of the way. And I'm I'm wondering if let's say McCabe hits those two threes that he attempted and Sherman, I think he started, uh, you know, if he finished what one for six, and I think it was missed his first three or four shots. Mm-hmm. What if he, you know, is off that slow shot? McCabe's hitting. Is McCabe playing more? Or if Harler hits that wide open three that that he missed pretty darn bad, um, is he out there some more? Because it, it seemed like you know McNeil was four or five from the floor. Sherman started off slow, but then I think he hit three or four, three three straight shots that that really kind of sparked them when they were falling behind, and, and then kind of rode with them for most of the rest of the way. By and large,
0: this is a West Virginia game. They shoot. 42%, only 12.5% from three. That's not normal. That's below average for them. 65% from the foul line. But, again, they rebound by 13, um, fouled more, didn't really get burned to the free throw line, but kind of did their thing. Cut the turnovers down, though. That's a big one. Only had 10 turnovers tonight. Took the ball away, played pretty active defense, especially in the second half. Guarded the basket better. That's good. And, again, that's when they got big, too. Um, I, I think we know the answers now. I think Huggins has probably seen enough of matthews and mccabe in particular um i don't know how else he would read that with mccabe he not only loses his spot but he barely plays matthews maintains his spot i didn't think he was disappointing um in fact six points three rebounds is what i see in 13 minutes but listen if you're going to shrink your rotation someone's going to get shrunk it's him um i think that that's probably going to be more toward the norm for them until they can play themselves out of it which is going to be hard right now um so this kind of falls under this question here sherman 4 of 11, 1 of 6, 9 points, 2 assists um, in 21 minutes. McBride, 4 of 13, 0 of 5 from 3. He gets the 11 and 3 with 1 assist. Um, and those are guys you're going to have to go with. McNeil kind of chips in. He throws in a sneaky 11 points on 4 of 5 shooting. Doesn't even attempt a 3-pointer, though, which is interesting. Uh, perhaps he's reading the VIP as well. <laughs> but these 3 guys look like you're going to swap out and take some combination of Harlow, McCabe, and Matthews minutes. Um, It works for tonight. Is this kind of a flip-flop going forward? And if so, or if not, what is the level of confidence in this working?
1: Yeah, I think the the best, from what we've seen throughout this entire season and what we saw tonight, I think your best options is um, McBride, Haley, Gabe, and one of the bigs. And then you're trying to, you know, maybe swap out game depending on matchups. But you, you're you going with kind of a, a big and a couple of, and McBride and Haley out there on the perimeter. And then you're rotating in whoever's hot. I think you have to do it. I, I like the idea when you said it, uh, you know, two months ago. I like it even more now because we haven't found a consistent guy on this West Virginia team. Uh, there isn't anybody that's like, hey, plug that guy in for 25 minutes a night and keep giving him the ball to shoot. I think you have to see who's going to who's gonna feel it that night, who's going to feel it for stretches, and kind of rotate him around.
0: I wonder if he's just worried about losing Matthews. I think McCabe is strong enough to, it, that he can deal with it. And he was out there after the game shooting again, which is his thing, I guess. But it would have been easy for him to be discouraged tonight and say, you know what, not worth it this evening, I'm going to sulk. Uh, Matthews, listen, he just may be a guy you have to start and see if he has it or not, and you make up your mind early, but... I like to pump fake in a dunk. I like to cut in a layup. Um, He rebounded a little bit tonight. Remember last game, he had nothing um, as far as rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks. He gets you at least three rebounds tonight. Um, It was better for him. And maybe you're just rebuilding this guy. And this is like step one right there, too. I feel like you can't go without him because he has that type of potential. But I think you're right. Your bench is probably going to look like Colbert, Osiboyan, McNeil as your main contributors. And then your five starters. And if this is an eight man rotation with, you know, three, maybe four guys plugging in. Um, I think that there's some, some longevity there. It may just concentrate the things in the guys that you trust and like the most. And unless other guys just kind of plug in a gap and like the other guys get their breath. And then when they're fresh, you keep it spinning again.
1: Well, I think we're going to get our answers real quick. Cause Saturday back on the road again. And we've said this a couple of times, a couple of these road trips, TCU, is not really a good team uh, until they beat Kansas state, who is currently at the bottom of the big 12 standings. They had lost seven in a row and nine of 10. um, Since that first with West Virginia's just 81, 49 whooping of them in Morgan uh, in Morgantown kicking off that stretch. So this should be a game that they, they win. It, It should not be too tough. I think they'll probably open as, Eight to 10 point favorites, and just like this game. And again, even just any semblance of an offense, and they should win by 10 points, but it's a road game. And who knows? The thing you worry
0: about there is them banging a bunch of threes at home and hanging around and, and just making you nervous on the road because I think this is a team, West Virginia, that you can rattle them. I mean, I don't think that they got out of the cage tonight. Uh, they win, I get that, but I, I have a feeling that. You can definitely poke him and make him feel a little bit uncomfortable. And no better way to do that than to go, you know, eight of 11 from three in the first half. And all of a sudden you're like, what the heck just happened out there? You got to go play 20 more minutes. Um, and then the other one is the quick turnaround at Texas. I have no idea what, what to expect. Shaka Smart may coach that game. John Beeline may coach that game. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, and then that's, that's kind of a Jekyll and Hyde team. They shouldn't be getting spanked by Iowa State. Um, they have talent. They have a coach who has been to Final Four. At what At what point does this guy or this team make its last stand? That would concern me there too. Well,
1: we don't have much to go off it because they've kind of Big Twelve has gotten away from those Saturday Monday uh, away games that West Virginia asked for to help with travel. Uh, only had one this year. That was the kind of heartbreaking loss at Kansas on Saturday, and then uh, you know the hard fought kind of just defensive shut down at Oklahoma State on Monday night. So uh, I think, uh, you know, if they can do that, if they can play that kind of defense, come with that kind of energy again on a Monday night, which might be a little harder two months later in the season, um, they they could come out of this
0: 2-0. Yep. Only difference this time is that they're in class, but they'll get back really early Tuesday morning. They'll have Tuesday and probably a light day Wednesday. They'll have, they'll have Tuesday I'll probably light day Wednesday get back out of practice Thursday, Friday. And I'm assuming that a home game against Oklahoma is going to have their attention. Yeah. All right, well, let's wrap it up here for this one uh, later on today. Later on this morning, Chris, um, I don't know if you've noticed this, but the linebacker situation is very concerning. (laughs) So now that it seems like the transfer season is over and West Virginia has a full and complete coaching staff, we're going to look at the two deep for the spring. Uh, The linebacker thing immediately got my attention so much that I fired you off a very uh, excited, concerned text, and you said, wow, that's not good.
1: Because no. it's, it's not. I, I'm That's here crazy. to help.
0: <laughs> and then uh, what do you have up your sleeve? Uh,
1: I got a 2021 updates on cornerbacks and uh, an interview with a new recruit from Canada who is making the same kind of trek that Akeem Mesador did from Canada to Clearwater Academy International in Florida. Um, obviously, Mesador ended up signing with West Virginia in the last class. This young man, six foot seven, 300 pound offensive tackle, just got an offer from West Virginia, and he's got a lot to like about the Mountaineers. So that'll be a good update there. And then, actually, later um, Wednesday, I am traveling to see four star, uh, recent four star offer, Bryce Carter, in person, do a little interview, maybe a little video interview, get a couple pictures, and we'll have an update with him hopefully Thursday morning or at the latest Thursday afternoon one more update too. uh
0: apologies to the audiophiles who have listened and have complained about our audio levels here we have had some compatibility issues it turns out between my ipad our recording software and chris's booming voice um we're gonna have that worked out sooner than later ideally the next time we speak which could be quickly as again i think this depth chart is gonna answer some questions but ask many more and we'll let you ask away and we'll try to solve them but uh I think we'll have that rounded out soon. We've had, we've had many conversations about this now. A completely convoluted system that requires cell phones and earbuds and mixers and external mics, but uh, we do it for the people.
1: I, I hope we have somebody smart that can help us, Mike. I really do.
0: Phone a friend. Skype a friend, I guess. <laughs> Maybe not. Well, that's all for this time. We will see you next time for Earsports.com. I'm Mike Casaza,
1: And I'm Chris Anderson.
0: We'll talk to you later.